0: You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 88. Well, hey there, Amy here. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the happy and healthy podcast. For those of you who are regular listeners, welcome back. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome. You're starting with a great one because today is all about nutrition. What to eat, how much to eat and why we want to eat it. So, For those of you who've caught at least the last couple of episodes, you know that I was a guest at Tail Trees September Camp. So as I was preparing my little presentation, and my lesson plan for the kids, and I was thinking about the basics of exercise and nutrition, it really hit me that there is a lot of different information out there. About nutrition. And I haven't dedicated an entire episode to just cover what healthy eating looks like. But with this episode, that will no longer be the case. So when I talk about nutrition, I want you to keep a few things in mind. First, that we really want to pay attention to what we're eating. So this is where a lot of times you'll hear people talk about mindful eating. The second thing is food quality. So this is really where not all calories are equal. And just by doing these two things, we can take care of eliminating nutrient deficiencies, which cause a lot of other issues for our bodies, including, but certainly not limited to, cravings and that feeling of always being hungry, which means we also have much better control of our appetite and food intake. And then, of course, good nutrition and movement go hand in hand which is why elite athletes pay such close attention to what they're eating so that they can perform at the level they want. So as I talk about nutrition, I also want you to note that three of the fundamental five habits for lasting weight loss are related to eating. And they are, number one, staying well hydrated. And this means drinking about half your body weight in ounces of water every day. Number two, getting enough nutrients from food. And this translates into at least five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And then number three is listening to your body, as in eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're comfortably full. Now when we talk about food, I want to be perfectly clear here. I do not refer to food as good or bad. There's no such thing as bad carbs. As a matter of fact, using those words really come from the diet mentality. It's like the food police running amok. So the only bad food if, if you really want to have a bad food, <laughs> I would say the only bad food is that which makes you physically ill. So if you've had food poisoning, that was bad food, okay? <laughs> if you had a severe allergic reaction to something like shrimp or peanuts, then for you, that food is bad. But that's it. Everything else may be providing you with energy, or nutrients, or may actually be providing some form of comfort for you, or stress relief. So it still has a purpose. At the same time, in terms of how it affects your body, there is a continuum. So you can think in terms of healthier. Remember, words are powerful. So I would really like you to think in terms of how healthy is this. And when it comes to weight loss programs, there are some very good programs out there that focus a lot on thought work, where it's all about leveling up and there's the whole idea of improving 1%, which was something that is covered in the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And what I notice with these programs when it comes to the leveling up is a lot of people really are at a loss for what an ideal looks like. So they wind up focusing on what not to do as opposed to what to do, what new habits to build. For example, instead of eating a gallon of ice cream, only eat half a gallon. As opposed to focusing on how to add one more serving of vegetables per day. Now, of course, it's perfectly understandable why there is confusion, because with the millions of dollars spent on marketing by both the food and diet industries, and the focus on reading labels, and really focusing on external cues like tracking calories or points or even weighing your food on scales. It's no wonder that we've lost sight of what our body can actually tell us. So if those methods work for you, great. I'm not here to criticize what other programs do. I am a fan of keeping it simple, which is all about eating real food, and as Michael Pollan likes to say, eat food and not food like substances, and mostly plants. So I'm also a fan of listening to your body, which is, again, about eating when you're hungry and then stopping when you're comfortably full. And if you want more information on this particular topic, I have an entire episode dedicated to the hunger scale which is episode number, hold on, let me look it up really quickly here, (laughs) which was episode number six, Listening to Your Body. Now, at the most fundamental level, when we talk about why we eat, it's one for the energy and two for the nutrients. Now, as human beings, there are are lots of other reasons why we eat. We eat to celebrate. We eat to bond with each other. Nothing like breaking bread with someone. We also eat to distract ourselves, to soothe, and to numb. So these three really fall into the category of emotional eating. But if we are eating for any other reason than for the energy and for the nutrients, this can obviously lead to overeating as in eating more than our body needs. And that's where we end up seeing weight gain. So when I talk about focusing on the energy and nutrients, this is where not all calories are equal. So just like I talked about in the previous episode about the quality of movement, again, the quality of food that you're eating really does matter. Now, when we talk about that whole listening to your body and eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're comfortably full, I need to talk a little bit about your metabolic rate. So, your basal metabolic rate is essentially the number of calories that you burn as your body performs basic life-sustaining functions. Think about a building and the energy required to heat it and keep the lights on. Now, Years ago, I was at Canyon Ranch with a good friend of mine, and we attended a seminar where an exercise physiologist was talking about basal metabolic rates. And he said, think about an area rug. How big is the area rug? So a smaller animal would result in a much smaller rug than a larger one. (laughs) So I share that with you because that image is really stuck and I think it really does help in understanding the concept. Another analogy that I've heard people use is to think about the energy required to heat and keep the lights on for a building. So the bigger the building, the more energy. Now, how active you are needs to be taken into account when we look at the number of calories you need to consume in order to maintain your weight. And actually, we need to recognize that some bodies, every person's body is different, right? Some bodies are better at absorbing calories than others. And so it's not just about the number of calories you consume, but how your body also absorbs those calories. So if we were to refer back to the building analogy, it would be like if you were looking at the energy consumption of a building that had all incandescent light bulbs versus one that had all LED bulbs. Now, for those of you who want to calculate what your basal metabolic rate is, and it does change over time, I'll include a link to a calculator in the show notes. So once you know what that baseline number is, then you would want to add the calories that are burned through your daily activities. So depending on whether you're very sedentary or very active, you would wanna add in those calories in order to determine your daily expenditure. So those would be the number of calories to consume to maintain your weight. And I'll include a link to a calculator for that as well in the show notes. Alrighty, so moving on now. Before I get into what a healthy plate looks like, I just need to briefly talk about macros or macronutrients and micronutrients. So macros are carbs, proteins, and fat. And then micronutrients include vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. So when we look at what your body needs, macros are really the things that our body needs in larger quantities. Micronutrients are then micros, (laughs) right? Are then those that we need in very small amounts. So when we look at a healthy plate, you could refer to myplate.gov, or I prefer precision nutrition where there's an anytime meal versus a post-workout meal. So when you look at the anytime meal, you'll see that when we look at the plate, we want its size to really correspond to the size of the person who's eating. So that when you're looking at the calories consumed, or the amount of food consumed at a given meal, it corresponds to the size of the person. So two meals or three meals for a person who weighs a 100 pounds would look different from someone who weighs 200 pounds. Hopefully that makes sense. So this is where, again, we want to listen to our body? Are we paying attention to our hunger cues? Are we eating when we're around a minus four or minus two on the hunger scale? And then are we stopping when we're comfortably full? So that would be like you're full enough where you can't run around the block, but you could walk around the block. And because human beings are such Visual creatures, depending on how full your plate is, can literally be a cue for your brain that you're either still hungry or comfortably full. (laughs) So when it comes to your plate, size does matter. (laughs) Anyways, now let's talk about what's actually on your plate. And I'm going to start with protein. So when you look at a plate, we want a quarter of the plate to consist of protein. So for women, when we talk about a serving of protein, I am referring to the size of your palm. And you might hear some people say a deck of cards, but it really does depend on how big or small a person you are, all right? When we talk about vegetables, I'm talking about the volume that's comparable to the size of your closed fist. So fruits and vegetables here are carbohydrates, as are grains. So here I'm talking about the energy-dense foods, So this would be things like pastas or rice or bread. We're looking at the equivalent of a cupped handful. So now when we talk about fat, we're looking at the equivalent volume of your entire thumb. So again, I just really want you to think about your hand size relative to your body size here. I'm not trying to be too exact. All right, so back to how this looks on an actual plate. I talked about protein being about a quarter of your plate. And then the rest of your plate for an anytime meal would consist of a wide variety of veggies. So think all the colors of the rainbow. And then about an eighth of your plate would consist of fats. Now, in a post-workout meal, so this would be the first meal after an intense workout, your plate would actually end up being half protein and then half veggies and fruit with then a cup of those starchier, energy-dense foods that we were talking about earlier. So this would be pasta, rice, bread, even potatoes. Now, just to be clear, I am not saying or advocating that you work out twice a day in order to get two servings of fruit and then three of the veggies. I'm actually just wanting you to keep in the forefront to have a very colorful plate and as much as possible to eat all the colors of the rainbow when it comes to your fruits and vegetables. And one more thing, when it comes to your post-workout meal, a favorite among fitness trainers is low-fat chocolate milk because it provides that ratio of carbs to protein to fat. So here we're talking about somewhere between eight and 16 ounces. And it's a favorite because it is so simple. So if fruits and veggies aren't something you like to eat and actually when we asked the kids in Tailtrees special camp to draw the foods that they didn't like and then imagine what those foods would need to say to them to make them want to eat it <laughs> the kids drew pictures of food in the form of you guessed it their favorite sweets like cotton candy. <laughs> so you might want to find some molds. Like you would use with for pancakes. <laughs> and And put the veggies that you want your kids to eat. In those shapes. Something to consider. Of course as an adult. I don't think the mold thing is actually going to work. So if you are not a fan of veggies. I did do an entire episode dedicated to this topic. It's number 66 and it's called When You're Not a Fan of Veggies. Now, some of these kids also talked about how they hated breakfast. They hated breakfast because they weren't hungry when they woke up. So this is kind of a tricky one. A lot of us were told when we were growing up breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And yet, I'm also telling you to listen to your body. So this is a tricky one to navigate. For kids, will they have access to food when their hunger actually does kick in? Because you really don't want your kids to be really hungry at 9 or 10 a.m. and it's another two hours before lunchtime. At the same time, I think it's really important not to train that out of kids to make them ignore what their body is telling them to do. So for parents, that's definitely something to think about. And it may even be just to explain to your kids that at some point before lunch, if you don't eat now, you're going to be really, really hungry and you're not going to have access to food. So eat some breakfast now so that you're not too hungry by the time lunch rolls around. And then I don't know if there's a way to, for example, provide them with some healthy snacks so that they can actually eat when they are hungry. Now, obviously, as adults, If we wake up and we're not hungry, I would not advocate eating. But I would actually make sure I have access to a healthy meal when I am hungry. And at the very least, just like with the kids, if it's not an entire meal you can eat, to make sure that you have planned and prepared for some healthy snacks. Now, if you're wondering what that looks like, it's basically a mini meal you wanna have some protein, carbs, and fat. So if you're gonna have celery or an apple or a bagel, make sure you have some peanut butter with it. And especially if you're concerned about developing insulin resistance, this is a great combination to focus on. All right, so that's my last tip for today's episode. I'm going to continue on this topic in the next one. Okay? If you want to start working on a new habit related to getting more fruits and vegetables, I encourage you to download my 30 day habit tracker where I can support your healthy eating habits. And if you're looking for a way to crowdsource ideas and how to, level up your efforts for healthy eating, I encourage you to join Moxie Meetup as well on Facebook. So I will wrap up this episode with a quote and a prediction by Thomas Edison. The doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will instruct his patient in the care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M O X I E C L U B.com. And sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.